What do you do when everything that you've ever known, or at least that you think you've known, is completely upended, and suddenly you don't know what to think anymore, or how to act? You start to question where God is, maybe even wonder where God isn't. I think many of us are grappling with some of these questions during these trying days, but I know that our ancient mothers and fathers in faith, the ancient Jews, grappled with them while they were in exile in Babylon. Over 600 years before the birth of Jesus, the Babylonian Empire conquered the Jewish kingdom and the capital of Jerusalem. And they carried off the leadership, the political and religious leadership, the economic leadership of the Jewish people into exile in Babylon partially to make sure that they, could not try, they, they would not try to rebel and reconstitute the Jewish kingdom, partially because they would incorporate them into their own imperial bureaucracy. The challenge for the Jews is what were they to think and what were they to do? After all, they were convinced that they were God's chosen people, that God had given them a promised land the land of the Canaanites, which became Israel, Judah, and that God, following David's wishes, David's prayers, had blessed the city of Jerusalem as the most important on earth. And of course, God's holy temple, the most sacred spot on the face of the earth, was on the highest point of that city of David, of Jerusalem. What were the Jewish people to think when that promised land wasn't theirs. When the city of David, God's holy city, was captured by the armies of a godless empire, what were they to think when some of those same soldiers and their leaders marched into the heart, the center, the holy of holies in God's temple, profaning it, desecrating it? Had God completely lost patience with them? Had God abandoned them? Was God punishing them? How would they survive in Babylon? And how would they take God with them? How would they keep the faith? They struggled with this for decades. These Jewish leaders and their descendants were in exile in Babylon for about 70 years. Now, we know the end of the story. We know that their faith survived the time in exile. In fact, in some ways, it thrived in new ways. I think the helpful thing for us these days is to better understand how that happened and what lessons we might apply to our own circumstances today. And the first thing we need to admit today and recognize from the ancient Jews in exile is that there is, there was, a lot to grieve. They had lost a lot, and they were unsure of what they could depend upon, what they should focus upon, they were even unsure 
if and how they could worship God in this foreign land, so far away from God's holy city and God's holy temple. They grieved. And the 137th Psalm reminds us that they didn't just grieve once. They were constantly reminded while they were in Babylon, particularly in the early days, of all the things they were missing out on, on all the things that were not just different, but were completely unexpected. And it would continually bring tears to their eyes because they would remember how it was, the life they enjoyed, the faith they practiced in God's name in Jerusalem. And a part of them was convinced that it could never be the same again. And they grieved. They missed the good things they had had, the lives they had built, the faith they had practiced in God's holy temple. So that's one thing. They grieved. And I think it's important for us to admit that. In these uncertain times, there are things that we are missing out on that we have lost, and it is natural to grieve, sometimes repeatedly, from these losses. The things that we so much enjoyed, some of the things that we depended upon that don't exist at all right now or certainly don't exist, can't be done in the same ways. Now, for the ancient Jews, sometimes they didn't just grieve, they got angry. They got mad. In fact, some of this anger flashes at the end of the 137th Psalm when they wish destruction, not just on their captors in Babylon, but on their innocent children. And sometimes in our defensiveness and our anxiety and our fear and in our hurt, we lash out too, don't we? We are frustrated. We're angry at certain things that we used to do all the time that we cannot or should not do right now. Go to the store as often as we like, eat out as often as we like, worship together in a sanctuary when we'd like. Sometimes we grieve those things, and sometimes they just make us mad. It's another way we cope with the loss. We recognize the loss. We don't just have tears. We're mad at what we're missing out on, what our kids and our grandkids are missing out on. And some of it goes even a little deeper than that. Most human beings, and I certainly know it's true in my life, have developed, well, coping strategies, I think is what psychiatrists and psychologists call them. Ways that we deal with the ups and downs of our lives. Ways that we relax, ways that we decompress, ways that we release some of our frustrations and our anger, ways that we find comfort during times of grief. And so many of these ways that we normally cope are not really available to us right now. I'll be honest, uh, for me personally, this has been quite a marathon the last several weeks. 
and I'm getting pretty tired. But my normal ways of decompressing aren't really allowed. I'd love to go home at the end of the day and sometimes even later than that and watch a ball game on TV. Maybe you'd like to bring some people over and share a meal and watch a ball game. We're not supposed to bring people into our homes in great numbers and there are no ball games to watch right now. And even if we want to take a vacation right now, where would we go? And if we went, what would we do when we got there? And I'll be honest, some of my coping mechanisms are pretty basic compared to some that our brothers and sisters and our neighbors rely upon in their day-to-day -day lives, particularly those who face thoughts of depression and doubt, for those who suffer abuse, for those coping with addiction and trying to fight addiction, so many of their normal coping mechanisms are not available to them. That's not just going to make us sad. Sometimes it's going to make us mad. And it should. But in those deep emotions, in those tears, and in those flashes of anger, if we identify the causes of them, if we identify what we're missing out on, what had been an important part of our life before that isn't right now, that's the first step towards trying to make it a part of our lives now, if in different and new ways. Perhaps the most famous verse in the 137th Psalm is, how can we worship God in a foreign land? How can we worship God in a foreign land? When it was first sung in this psalm, it was a lament, a loss. But that answer, or that question, persisted in the minds of the Jews while they were in exile. It persisted, and over the years, they found ways to answer that question. They found ways to answer exactly how they could, how they should, how they had to worship God in the foreign land. They recognized that they were missing it. And they didn't just stop at the tears and the frustration. Over the years, they found ways to worship God. They found ways to sing the Lord's songs, the songs of Zion, in a foreign land. They found ways to work, to raise families, to live, and to worship. Was it the same as the life that they had enjoyed while they were in Jerusalem? No, it was not. But parts of it were. And in some cases, some of the most important parts survived, including their faith in God. Their faith that God somehow, miraculously, unexpectedly, was with them 
even when they were exiled from God's holy land in a godless empire. And I am convinced that these days, if we admit what it is we're truly missing, what truly and deeply brings tears to our eyes and moments of rage to our lips, if we can truly admit what those things are, then we can find ways to still experience them and share them, even during these unusual, uncertain times we're experiencing right now. And I am convinced that is especially true of developing and deepening our relationships with God. Our worship is very different these days than it has been for most of our lives. We're missing out. But God is still with us. And the opportunity and the invitation to build a relationship with God is still there if we want to. How do we worship God in this foreign land? We admit the ways that we can't do it right now, and we try to find new ways to accomplish the same goal of deepening our relationships with God and deepening our relationships with other people in God's name, which includes, as we talked about last month, loving God more deeply and fully and loving our neighbors as ourselves. If you think the last few weeks are, have been hard, you are not alone. They have been hard for all of us. It's okay to admit it. In fact, it's healthy and necessary to admit it, as long as we do not forget. This is not the end of the story. And it's certainly not the end of God's story for us.